Hi, I'm David Green, and welcome back to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Today, I am joined by Tiffany Munro, Chief People and Culture Officer at H&R Block. We will be discussing the organisational transformation Tiffany is leading to better align the company's structure to its strategy, which is designed to help the company increase effectiveness, enhance communication, and make decisions faster. Think of your iPhone. It can be very elegantly designed and beautiful, but if the operating system within it is clunky, then you're not getting as much out of it. And so we thought about for H&R Block, we have this really strong purpose. We had this really clear strategy. And if our structure wasn't right or the ways we were working or our culture weren't right, we weren't going to get as much out of it as, as we wanted to. And so we, in June of 2021, actually, we started on the first part of our Block OS, which was aligning the structure to the strategy. So aligning the organizational structure around those three lines of business and then having enterprise capabilities to to support those lines of business. Tiffany couldn't be more right. You can have big growth ambitions, but if your people strategy doesn't align to support it, then it's just a good looking iPhone with a clunky operating system that isn't fulfilling its goal. On a mission to transform the organisation, Tiffany will be sharing the various phases her and her team have been taking to implement their new operating system, Block OS. We will be discussing their real-time results, the impact the pandemic has had on the progress of the strategy, H&R Block's connected culture and ways of working, Tiffany's learnings, and a whole lot more. So without further ado, let's get started. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Could you start by giving listeners a, a brief introduction to, to you, H&R Block, and your role within the organization, please? Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm excited to, to chat today. So my name is Tiffany Monroe. I am the Chief People and Culture Officer for H&R Block. H&R Block was founded in 1955 by brothers Henry and Richard Block. And you know, it was founded as a tax preparation company, but the the premise was that taxes are much more than just numbers on a page. They really have the ability to affect someone's life. And we still believe that today. So our purpose is to provide help and inspire confidence in our clients and communities everywhere. The tax event can be very uh, challenging and scary for people, and we are there to help them feel better about that. For me personally, I have spent my entire career in the people and culture space. I absolutely believe that the right people and the right culture can make businesses achieve great things. And I have been able to be part of transforming some workforces um, through my entire career, which I love. And it's interesting that that you've actually got culture in, in your title. So we hear Chief Peer Officer, Chief Human Resources Officer, but you've actually brought the culture right at the top of, of, of the title as well. Is there is there a reason behind that? Yes. I mean, that's a great question. So we, when I started at Block, I was the Chief People Officer. But as we looked at transforming our culture and looking at our, our greater strategy, we felt that saying kind of calling HR people and culture was much more on point and much more fresh and much more relevant because it really is about not human resources necessarily, but the people and the culture that are driving your business. So we decided to change my title to chief people and culture officer as both are equally important. And I think in our conversation today, the, the culture piece is really going to come out, I think, as as you work so closely with the leaders in the business, or we are one of the leaders in the business, but you work so closely from a sort of HR perspective around the business transformation that, that you're going on at H&R Block. So I think it's uh, really interesting. So over the talk about the transformation over the past couple of years that you know obviously you've been heavily focused on on implementing a 
a five-year strategy, which is, is called Block Horizons 2025. Um, I'd love it if you could share more with listeners about um, Block Horizons 2025 and you know they can understand the extent of, of what you're trying to achieve as an organization. Sure. So in 2019, our senior team got together over many, many meetings and started to think about how can we go beyond just tax and how can we be there for our clients in more ways in a year round um, fashion. And so we really created this concept of Block Horizons 2025, which is our long term growth strategy. And as we thought about that, we thought in five years time, what might we want to be as a company beyond just tax? And so we created these three strategic imperatives, three lines of business, if you will, the first being um, small business. And many people were surprised to hear that we already serve over 2 million business, small business clients every year. Um, so we already have a strong base. And what we're really doing with that small business imperative and that small business line of business, if you will, is to focus strategically on the small business owner. There are more and more of them with the gig economy heating up the way it has. So we know we can provide bookkeeping and payroll and you know other products beyond just that. Um, the second focus for us was around financial products. So we have offered financial products for a very long time, but they've been mainly focused around the tax event. And we know that people need help from a financial products perspective or banking perspective year round. So they need help saving, they need help learning how to spend, how to budget. And so we launched a mobile banking platform called Spruce. We did that a little over a year ago. And then the third imperative is block experience. So it really is around that tax event, but it's taking digital capabilities and blending that with what we think is our signature expertise of human expertise and care. Um, and so really kind of honing in on having the best possible tax experience for our clients. And obviously underpinning all of that is talent, right? And culture. Part of this role, you know, you've been focusing on transforming the, the, the organization to, to better align the company's structure to the Block Horizons 2025 strategy. You know, what, what prompted this transformation? So again, in, you know, as we were thinking about Block Horizons 2025 in 2019, we started asking our associates and our leaders, you know, their thoughts on the way we work and their thoughts on our culture. So we did a lot of, of surveying. Um, we did our associate engagement survey. We did roundtables. We did listening sessions. We started looking at calendars and what was our meeting culture and just really did a lot of, of deep dives into kind of how are we formulated? How are we working? What could we do to be better? And, you know, the themes that came out of that um, were that we were, we had a heavy meeting culture. People felt there are too many meetings, unproductive, which of course you hear a lot. You know, we reviewed all of this information and took this all in and started to formulate what we call our block operating system or block OS which is now in place at Block as, as to how we work, what the, the ways that we work. Was some of this work going on in the pandemic or did you have to revisit some of this work as, as, the, as the pandemic um, or the impact of the pandemic on ways of working became, you know, re, re, well, you, you started to see the impact of that? Yeah, we actually rolled out the concept of Block Horizons 2025 in early 2020 and the pandemic then came, you know, rushing in. Uh, that spring. So, you know, it was it was really an interesting time to roll out a long-term strategy and also be in a very volatile world where no one knew kind of what next was. I will say that we, you know, we stuck to this being the strategy. We were very open about not knowing the answers to all the things that were happening in the world at that time. It was interesting because it felt in the beginning like it would, uh, the pandemic would really kind of push the strategy off a bit because we were so focused on figuring out how to work in this 
largely virtual world. But I, and I remember personally feeling like, wow, this might push 2025 into 2026. Um, But truly, uh, to your point, people kind of got into it. They understood where they wanted to go. And we've accelerated on a lot of those areas within that strategy. So it was, it was a very, very interesting time to kind of lay out this strategy, not knowing that the world would change the way that it did so substantially. You talked about employee listening and the variety of ways in which you were doing that. I guess that was really important for you as an organization during the pandemic as well, as we went through the various stages of it and maybe planning to now return to office and and hybrid work as well. Incredibly important. I think that that is a key, key tenant for us. You know, again, we are so focused on relationships at Block um, and then this connected culture that um, we were very, very communicative. We did as much communication as possible. We did as many surveys as we could to talk to people about how are they feeling and get the, the, you know, do they feel safe coming back to work? If so, when we had multiple return to work days that ended up, you know, not happening because the world was not ready yet, but we got a lot of great feedback from our associates that at least we were communicating, you know, didn't mean we were always making decisions that they, they liked, but they understood the why and they appreciated the fact that we were talking to them. We gave them as much leeway as possible as to when we might come back. And we told them we would definitely let them know 90 days in advance so that they could fit their lives around coming back to work. And in the end, we actually had, we returned to work this last March and we are back Tuesday through Thursday in the office, but it's a voluntary basis only. So um, we'd like to see everybody together because again, that kind of connected culture, that really being able to, you know, you know, interact in person is important to us. And we feel like you get so much out of being together and in person. But we also understand that lives have changed and ways of working have absolutely changed. And, you know, while we would like to see all of our associates in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it's absolutely their choice. And um, a lot of people are still choosing to work from home, myself included some days. And, you know, it works for your for your schedule. So, um, it's a very, very flexible environment that we have, and we we get a lot of great feedback about that. And I think it's, it's exciting time speaking to some of your peers in other other organisations. You know, as executives, we all have opinions on on how many days people should be in the office, but you can ground that in data, I guess, from from actually looking at what's actually happening, what's working, and and what employee preferences are as well. We did a lot of work on employee preference. We did a lot of work in the local KC area to understand what partner companies were doing. We looked globally, um, nationally exactly to your point to inform with the data of what was happening, what trends were we seeing? And you're right. You know, people range from not wanting to ever come back to wanting to be in every day. So it really is just picking what you see as the best trend and what you think is the best possible solution for your business and going from there. So we tell people, this is our operating model. You know, this is how we're we're working. Um, And if we do change it, we will absolutely let you know, but it's working really well. So I think that um, I think we've struck the right balance. We will be back in just a short moment. For now, let me take this short break as an opportunity to talk to you about the sponsors of this season's podcast. ChartHop is transforming the way companies manage and support their people. Because like a giant alien robot shifting into a semi-truck, when it comes to how you view your people, there's more than meets the eye. Delivering a fresh take on people analytics that's out of this world, ChartHop seamlessly consolidates and visualizes disparate sources of people data into one powerful platform, creating more informed, empowered, and connected organizations. From executives to individual contributors, to every employee in between, ChartHop is designed for everyone in the organization. Head to charthop.com 
forward slash digital HR to learn how HR leaders are leveraging ChartHop. That's charthop.com forward slash digital HR. Welcome back to my conversation with Tiffany Munro. Now, let's dive deep into H&R Block's new operating system created to help support their Block Horizons 2025 strategy. I'd love to hear more about Block OS. So, so how does it enable the success of the overall Block Horizons strategy? Yeah, so, you know, when we look at Block OS, it's really pr- it's predicated on kind of a smart device, right? If you think of your iPhone, it can be very elegantly designed and beautiful, but if the operating system within it is clunky, then you're not getting as much out of it. And so we thought about for H&R Block, we have this really strong purpose. We had this really clear strategy. And if our structure wasn't right or the ways we were working or our culture weren't right, we weren't going to get as much out of it as, as we wanted to. And so we, in June of 2021, actually, we started on the first part of our Block OS, which was, was aligning the structure to the strategy. So aligning the organizational structure around those three lines of business and then having enterprise capabilities to, to support those lines of business. Uh, And then in June of this year, we rolled out the other two phases of of Block OS, which is connected culture and um, ways of working. And like I said, the connected culture piece for us is really predicated on the fact that you are you are sitting at that tax desk. You are having a very, very personal interaction with someone. It requires a lot of trust. It requires a lot of, of, of connection. And that permeates through our culture. Um, our culture is absolutely built on connecting and trust and empowerment. So it's really about just enhancing that um, within our culture and, and kind of giving it a name because we've always been this way, but we want people to be able to say, what's the culture at Block? Well, it's a culture of connection. And what does that mean? And then the ways of working. We had a team that that got together, a grassroots team that said, how are we going to kind of attack these barriers to our, our working better together? And they came up with five areas that we could create this digital playbook around um, and give people kind of the playbook of how do we want to work together as a company and as individuals. And, you know, those areas were all about empowered decision-making, definitely something that we focused on at Block, managing time productively, which sounds really basic, but honestly, it was it's giving people kind of, again, the playbook to say, have a meeting that's 25 minutes or 50 minutes, have an agenda, have that agenda say whether this is an informed, discuss, decide, you know, just get making it easier for people. And then aligning outcomes, like we said, if these three imperatives are the most important things, then, and there are a lot of projects in the works, you know, how do we get that together and figure out what are the most, most important projects? And so we created this strategic planning group. And then just iterating for success and continuing to communicate effectively and really think about that in a, in a, in a deeper way. So that's kind of the work that, that rounded out this block operating system, if you will. Can you talk us through why you develop these approaches and and the role they play in bringing the block operating system to life? Yeah, we really, um, you know, it was again, gathering data and, you know, listening to our people to say what is causing you to not work as, as optimally as you would like. And so those, you know, you could look at that and there could be a kitchen sink of things, you know, as to to what are the five most important things um, or what are the most important things. And so we really had to, again, kind of prioritize and align on the outcomes of if we kind of took 
these five areas and really did something about them for the whole organization? You know, would we have a better operating system? Would we be able to work together faster and more efficiently? And that's really how that came about was, was kind of sorting through all of the information, coming up with the five largest themes and then putting, you know, tools around them to help people, you know, they can go online any day and get tools for where should I communicate this message or, you know, how should I look at risk taking and, where am I empowered to make a decision or where am I not um, to try to just make it more clear for people? One of the ways of working that you outlined was around empowering employees to take more calculated risk, which I really quite like. You know, I think I think we're hearing this a lot more now, trying to help um, employees make decisions themselves, because sometimes they're the best people to make decisions, particularly if they're with the customer at the time or they, they, they're, they're experienced in that. I suspect this is this is something that you're looking at, at, at obviously rolling out as a supporting because that's two things, is it? It's number one, it's helping people feel empowered and feel they can make decisions. But then there's a definitely a cultural element to that as well. And and I suspect is that something that you're ensuring that around your internal market talent marketplace is aligned with the overachieving goals of of, of the organization as well. It, it it is, and you know, so this was the 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 ability to be empowered to make decisions was probably one of the biggest themes that we saw. People not understanding whether they were empowered, how could they figure out if they were empowered, and and sometimes. Your leader just says you can go and do that, but you don't have a clue how to gather the right data to make the right decision. So again, we created this, this proprietary training is kind of a three-part training, if you will. So some of it is self-study that really just talks about, you know, the psychology of decision-making and empowerment, real-world examples and case studies. But I think more importantly is a conversation that you as a leader have with your team about areas that you're making decisions where maybe you think you don't need to and you can you can give that to your team or them being able to push and say I think I should be able to make this decision. I mean really having that deep conversation and that is just something that is just starting right now as you and I speak we're just starting to roll that out and cascade it through the organization. But part of that is also again a, a pretty easy tool that says you know here what are the risks or potential risks of making this decision and what is the likelihood of that risk occurring. And you can look at it on this template and it will show you if it's low, then you are empowered to do that. If it's high, then you probably need to take some partners and think about who your stakeholders are. So again, prescriptive, but also a nice tool to say, I'm following along with what this is teaching me. I'm pretty sure I feel okay making this decision. You know, And there are very few, as you know, decisions that you can make that can't be unmade or undone. And so it's kind of erasing a little bit of that fear of what if I make a mistake? Well, that's okay, because we all do that all the time. Um, we just have to learn. What are the sort of steps you're taking to measure the effectiveness of of this particular uh, way of working, but maybe all the ways of working that, that, that you outlined? We have, again, you know, we, we love getting our survey data out. So, you know, after we had this town hall, you know, we had 92% of respondents say, we get connected culture, we love this way of working, we're excited about it. You know, the structure piece, we put that in place over a year ago and mostly got that right, not completely. We've made some adjustments, but people are settling into that. The 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 connected culture piece, like I said, was already, it's already who we are. We just kind of put a name to it. So people feel that and, and they they get that and, and it it resonates. The ways of working, we're continuing to really embed into the fabric of who we are. So we've had, you know, this group, this, this grassroots group that um, took on this work in the first place has done roadshows um, explaining what are these tools? How do you look at this playbook? 
we have asked our leaders in each of their all hands meetings to go over this, the ways of working, talk about how things are, you know, how are things coming to life and highlight these in their meetings. So we really are doing a lot of work to reiterate that this is the way we work at Block. And so, so far so good, but again, pretty early in. And I think the work for for my team and myself um, and my leaders is really to keep this alive and keep pointing people back to this playbook and back to these ways of working. The, the great thing is, you know, I hear a lot of these uh, of our buzzwords right now, like we're, we're iterating for success, right? Um, well, I'm, I'm aligning my outcomes, right? I'm empowering you to make this decision. So the, the, the lingo has, has, has definitely hit well, and we just have to continue to actually make it real for all of our associates. What are some of the impacts that, that the operating system has had on, on the organization so far? I think the structure has helped us really align to what is most important for us to accomplish as a company. So we know we have things to do in small business. We know we have Spruce as this new mobile banking platform. We know that we need to continue to evolve the the, the tax event and, and more digitally enable people to have their taxes done however they want to do that, whether it's themselves with some help, whether it's completely someone else doing it for them. You know, those are all working and, and we're very well supporting that structure and that business strategy. We're seeing that people feel very engaged. You know, one of the things that I have been very proud of at Block is that over, you know, the last two years since the pandemic, you know, our engagement scores have stayed strong. And I know that's not true for everybody, um, but, you know, that shows me that our leaders are really working to engage their team virtually, in person, however that's working. Um, but that's to me very, very important. And just seeing people have less meetings and seeing people not send three of the same function into a meeting. So, you know, you're seeing that start to really take a hold and being there to your point for our clients in more ways, we're seeing that and we're getting that feedback from client surveys um, that it's it's feeling, you know, they're feeling definitely um, cared for by Block and by their tax pros and by whomever they're working with. So we're starting to see really positive momentum. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it sounds like positive all around from engagement, from productivity, from from potentially well-being, I guess, as well, but also positive impact on business results and and, and customer outcomes as well, which is you couldn't ask much more from a from a strategy really in that respect, could you? We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. If you are looking to continue your learning journey, head over to myhrfuture.com and take a look at the My HR Future Academy. It is a learning experience platform supporting HR professionals to become more data-driven, more business-focused, and more experience-led. By taking our short assessment, you will see how you stack up against the HR skills of the future. Then, our recommended learning journeys guide you every step of the way, helping you to close your skills gap, deepen your knowledge, and press play on your career. Welcome back to the final section of today's episode with H&R Block's Chief People and Culture Officer, Tiffany Munro. You talked quite a lot about engagement and surveys. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how often, for example, you, you survey employees, You know whether that's, that's an all-company survey or you're doing poll surveys as well. Because I think this is something that organisations have really been looking at, obviously, the last two and a half years. So I think it'd be quite good for 
for listeners to understand what what you're doing to to get this feedback? We do an annual engagement survey, um, you know, every year, and we do do we do allow pulses. So um, the leader can choose to do kind of a pulse in the off off season of of the the survey. You know, we have a very interesting labor model. You know, during the year. For the most part, we're probably, you know, three-ish thousand people. And then during tax season, we're, you know, 80-some thousand people. So it's very important from that January to mid-April timeframe to get input from our, our tax pros as well and our seasonal associates. So we definitely have the ability to, to survey whenever we want. We also don't want to over-survey. You know, we want to be able to take that information, take it in, share what we heard, you know, that's been a big focus for us um, in anything, especially even through the pandemic. What are you telling us and what are we doing about that? And that doesn't mean that we necessarily are doing everything you want, but we want you to understand that we heard you and here are the actions coming out of that. So we we do take our surveys, you know, quite seriously. I read all of the comments because you just never know where you're going to find a theme that is really important that might have gotten lost otherwise. But we also don't want to survey fatigue anybody either. So um, we're careful with it. And I guess there's that, that real link between frequency of surveying and communicating that you're listening and act and taking action on, on, on stuff as well and telling people you're taking action. It's that kind of balance that you have to get, I guess, as a, you know, your role as a, as a chief people and culture officer. Yes, yes. And we, and we do a lot of, you know, we have a listening strategy. So that involves roundtables or lunch meetings or those types of things where people can voluntarily come and we can just talk about a topic. Um, or an executive will be available for a certain amount of time with their team and they can open door, come and talk to them. Because I think, again, surveys are great, but also having that face-to-face or virtual face-to-face, however you want to do it, you know, interaction is important too, because you're going to hear different things. What have been your main learnings so far? Is there anything you look back on and maybe think if it was now, you you might have approached it differently? I, you know, I, I don't know that we would have approached anything differently. I, I feel that we were very resilient, um, you know, and and one of the great things I think about the people at H&R Block and, and our culture is that we very much are just kind of learn and reevaluate and pivot as you need to. The company is very trusting in the the strategy and where we want to go and, and people believe in it in their heart. So they're open to pivoting, meaning to, to change directions. And we had to do that a lot during the pandemic, but we we continue to just iterate and learn. Things will come up that are unexpected and you, you face them and you make a decision, which is the best one you can make at that time. And you might have to change or, or learn or do something different in the next iteration, but you know, go forward with as much knowledge as you have. For those listening, what key advice would you give to them to help set them up for success? The most key thing is that you have to have buy-in from your leadership team. You know, you have to have buy-in from your CEO and your peers. You know, it's not just an HR initiative. It is really a company priority. And, you know, for me and, and with my team, they very much understood and agreed that we needed to have a people strategy to underpin this business strategy. And I think you and I talked about that earlier as well. But really, truly, you can have this great strategy, but if you don't have the right people strategy or the right culture underpinning that, you're not going to get as far um, as as you as you would like to. And I think another probably key piece for me was really the cross-functional nature of how we came up with this block operating system and what was, you know, what was entailed in that. And really thinking about pushing, when you're pushing that much change, you know, structural change and ways of working, you know, meeting people where they are and helping them get to where they they need to go is also really, really important. And to me, that means 
you know, not having it be a top down thing. I mean, we stewarded it, you know, we stewarded the strategy as a senior team, but we had people who were very passionate come on as ambassadors and champions, and they could then get that understanding and that excitement out into the organization in a way that I wouldn't be able to do if I just said, this is how we're doing things. Um, so I think that was really important. So I would say having your senior team with you and, and making sure that your associates feel like they are part of the change and the transformation um, and they understand why and where you're trying to go. What are some of the tips that you would give around managing those senior stakeholders within the business as well? You know, I think it is about, you know, if, if you understand and you're part of the business strategy, you know, which which I am and was, for me to be able to say, what do we need from a talent perspective to achieve this? You know, what are we missing? What do we need individually as a skill set? But what do we need organizationally as skill sets? And really thinking about that right up front. So you're not just rolling a strategy and hoping that you have the right structure and hoping that you have the right talent and skill sets, but you actually already know where, where you're aligned, where there might be gaps, et cetera. And so, and, and working through that with the individual senior leaders for their own functions and then thinking about it more organizationally. So for me, it was really about being very invested and very involved with each senior leader and what this strategy meant to them and what that meant from a people perspective. Um, and then I had to be very honest, I have a lovely, wonderful CEO in Jeff Jones, and he fully believes that people and culture are the most important underpinnings. And so having that along with me, it was incredible uh, from a support perspective. And it sounds like, you know, as you were able to provide data to support the approach as well throughout whether it be through surveys or some of the results from the focus groups you're doing. And I think, you know, is that something that as a function HR really needs to bring to the table and they need to bring data? More and more, we need to bring data to the table. It speaks the language of the business. They understand because they can see it. You know, they can see what the trends are. They can see where the gaps are. Um, so absolutely. I think internal data, external data, as much as you can bring to kind of make that business case will always help you get where you need to go and help the business understand how they could be even more effective in what they're trying to achieve. Great. Well, the, that leads on quite nicely to the the question that we're asking everyone on this this particular series of the of the Digital HR Leaders podcast, Tiffany. What do you think the role of ethics is in HR? I think that ethics is everybody's job. I think it should be everybody's table stakes, you know, having an ethical culture, ethical company. I think in HR, we are the stewards of the culture and we are, you know, hopefully a safe space for people to bring their the, themselves and questions they might have. So I think that HR leaders absolutely, you know, steward the culture and we steward ethics, but it has to be something that is within every single, you know, associate and leader in the company and within the culture of the company. I think if you don't have that, then you've probably got a lot bigger problems on your hands. And, and uh, you know, I think that we're lucky we have such a great culture at Block. Tiffany, great conversation and really impressive work that I think you and the team are doing at H&R Block. And thanks so much for being a, a guest on the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Can you let listeners know how they can stay in touch with you, follow you on social media, uh, find out more about your work, maybe find out more about H&R Block as well? Absolutely. So uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and you can find uh, H&R Block on LinkedIn and Twitter uh, and, and follow all the great work that we're doing. Great. Well, Tiffany, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you very much for sharing your story with listeners. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. I do hope you enjoyed it. And my thanks again to Tiffany Munro for sharing her story with our listeners. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show with five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. 
The more followers and ratings we get, the more HR thought leaders we can bring to the podcast. For more from us at Insight 222, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter by going to myhrfuture.com. Don't forget to subscribe as next week we have Spotify's VP of HR, Anna Lundstrom, on the show for a conversation about Spotify's work from anywhere strategy. So don't miss that. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and take care.